1963, Stanley Milgram's experiment asked anonymous participants to deliver increasingly severe electric shocks to subjects in the next room. Unbeknownst to the participants, the shocks were not real. But had they been real, they may have been fatal. Though actors in the next room screamed ever louder, the great majority of participants kept delivering the shocks because someone in a lab coat with a clipboard told them to. In 1971, Philip Zimbardo ran the Stanford Prison Experiment, in which participants were divided into guards and prisoners. The guards were given uniforms and had authority over the prisoners. The two-week experiment had to be abandoned after six days because of rampant abuse of power on the part of the guards. Zimbardo's book on the subject was called The Lucifer Effect. You see, something happens when people lose their individual identities in the crowd. When there seems to be no consequences for their actions, when the crowd acts en masse, when there is a diffusion of responsibility such that there's always someone else who can carry the can, in all those situations, the Lucifer effect kicks in. The Lucifer effect at the trial of Jesus was very clear for all to see. You see, Pilate went to the crowd with the offer of releasing one of the prisoners. That was the custom at the Feast of Passover. So Pilate addresses the crowd and suggests that it is Jesus who is released. But just listen to the Lucifer effect at play. Luke chapter 23 from verse 18. With one voice the crowd cried out, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and he surrendered Jesus to their will. This was a Passover crowd uh, drawn in from the four corners of Israel. It's highly likely that many in the crowd had been personally healed by Jesus Christ in the last three years. Certainly, a good number would have heard his teaching, seen his miracles, and known people whose lives had been transformed by Jesus. And yet, you can almost feel the electricity crackling among the people as they scream, Crucify him! Crucify him! On Palm Sunday, many churches have a tradition of dramatizing the passion narrative, with the congregation taking on the role of the crowd. When I was growing up, these readings always made a huge impact on me. But this line, more than any other, shook me. It was always the loudest part of an otherwise somber service. And there we were, church people, and we were baying for the blood of Jesus. Crucify him! Crucify him! Just imagine being in that crowd in the first century. There they are, they are the people of God, and the Messiah's fate lies in their hands. They bay for his blood, even though they don't really know why. Pilate asks them, but they have no answer. They just seem to be driven along this mad path towards deicide. There are no reasons for putting the Son of God to death, 
There is only this primeval urge in the crowd, this Lucifer effect. He must be done away with. This is our sinful condition expressed in its clearest terms. We would rather have a murderer released among us than the Lord of life. But even in the midst of our terrible sin, a wonderful gospel presentation is seen. You see, Barabbas, this man who was released, that's a name that means son of his father. He is a counterpart to Jesus, who is a son of a very different father. And Barabbas' unrighteousness reveals a very different origin to Christ's origin. In Barabbas, we see Adam's son, one who is very much under Lucifer's effect. Lucifer, of course, has been a murderer from the very beginning. But on this day, at this trial, in a very real and literal way, Jesus dies for him, for Barabbas. Jesus, the innocent, died in the place of Barabbas, the guilty. And if Barabbas had dared to walk up to Golgotha on that Friday, he could have pointed to that middle cross and he could have said, that should have been me. But Jesus died in my place. Here is the hope for all the sons and daughters of Adam. Here is the hope for all of us who fall under Lucifer's effect. Christ's death was not merely the will of the people. It was his own will. The cross is not simply the the proof of our sinfulness and madness, but it's proof of, of the offer of his salvation. His incredible love means that he wants to die for devils like Barabbas and devils like you and me. Therefore, we too can point to that cross, the cross that we have bayed for, And we can declare with wonder the words of the Apostle Paul, Galatians 2 verse 20, The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me.